Here we uncover the traditions that are working for successful parents. For the parents who are ready to do things differently but aren't sure how, go to wandahoward.com and download my free blueprint. It will help you create the difference you've been looking for and enable your kids to be emotionally healthy and confident throughout their lives. Now is the time to start doing things differently. Welcome back, everybody, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Wanda Howard, and today we have with us Alex Sharfan. I'm not sure how you say your last name. How do you say that? <laughs> it's Sharfan. 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 Okay, Alex Sharfan. Well, welcome, Alex. It's so good to have you here. Thanks. It's good to be here. So Alex is the co-founder of Simple Operations, and him and his wife started this company, and they feel that their mission that God has given them here on this earth is to help entrepreneurs get into momentum and to change the world. And that is what we're all about here. So I'm excited to dive in more. Um, One of the things, though, that I wanted to highlight that Alex has done is he's the creator of the 40-hour year. So tell us a little bit about the 40-hour year. What does that mean? Um, Wanda, you know, when we look at most entrepreneurs who are running a business, they are overwhelmed by the tactical day-to-day of the business. And what we teach is a structure and a process and a system through which an entrepreneur methodically removes them from tact- themselves from tactical activities and from the day-to-day and moves into more and more strategic activities. And the eventuality is that they can run their business in 40 hours a year by being involved only in strategic decision-making and directional decision-making and letting a team execute. That's not a 90-day plan, by the way. You know, Most of the time, the, the people who work with us, we, we have a one-year program. Most people stay longer than a year. But if an entrepreneur is really committed to running a real business and gaining the time and freedom that we all went into entrepreneurship for, we can show them how to get there. That is so cool. That in of itself is a game changer to be able to know how to do that. So tell us a little bit about how you started your business. What made you want to go into business? And then we'll go from there. Well, I mean, as as far as the answer to what made me want to go into business, um, you know, I was I was always that super awkward, different kid. I had a hard time fitting into any type of structure. I had a hard time in school socially awkward, didn't get along with the teachers, didn't get along with a lot of the other students. Every once in a while, there's a teacher that that I connected with. And that that's really what I think saved my life when I was a kid. And um, I think, you know, a lot of people find entrepreneurship, I think entrepreneurship found me because I had such a hard time with following any other type of process or structure when I discovered I could build my own. That's what really made sense for me as a person who has a lot of unique sensitivities and a different way of looking at the world and and sees opportunities that most people don't have. That's why I started my business originally. That's so cool. And so did you start it um, like before you met your wife or was it after you got married that you started realizing that skill set? The company we have now, we started after we got married, but I started my first business when I was a little kid. I mean, I was I was selling candy to the kids in school. Uh, I started working with my dad when I was really young. He was a, an entrepreneur and and had a consumer electronics business that started in a swap meet. So like, I I was I was working since I was little. Uh, at 16, I had a window washing company. In college, I started a financial firm that my friend and I um, were helping fraternities and sororities with collections. So I've, I've like I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> I've only had a couple of jobs for other people. I was a waiter for a little while. 
I worked in a bank for about 89 days. I didn't make it to the 90 day review. That was a mutual decision. Um, but other than that, I've, I've always run a business. And then Katie and I got married about 20 years ago when I was 30. And um, I was running a consultancy at that time that I built in my 20s. I left that company and she and I have been running businesses ever since. That's so awesome. So right now then, what is like, where's your business at and where's, what's the next level for you? So we're located in Austin, but we run a virtual team. They're distributed around the United States and around the world. And the next level for us is, you know, we're at a point now where um, we are really clear on who we serve. We're really clear on the process and structure and we're scaling. We're doing everything we can to do the same thing that we help entrepreneurs do by growing a business by doing less and less themselves. And I think in the past, Katie and I have run businesses where like every entrepreneur, we've been overwhelmed by the day to day. We've had, you know, way more than a 40 hour work week. And we have um, made a lot of sacrifices in order to run the companies that we have. And in the past, especially for this business that really we, we started teaching this content right around 2016, our, our next level is scaling the company without doing everything ourselves. And that's also what we help people do. That's so cool. And what a unique model too, to be able to help people do that from a place of doing it yourself. Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I will help my clients be able to achieve the ideal while I sacrifice my time. And, and then that just doesn't work as well. So that is so cool. Definitely for those who this is a good fit for, where's the best place for them to go and find you? Um, there's, there's really two places. The, the best place to get more information on a company is simpleoperations.com. And then I also have a podcast called Momentum for the Entrepreneurial Personality Type, and it's on everywhere that podcasts are. And so if you're already a podcast listener and you're scaling a business, we put a ton of free content out, so much so that people often call us and say, I've scaled to this point just listening to the podcast. Now, now I, I know we need help. Oh, that's so cool. I love, love podcasts. Love that there is that platform out there to help people. So definitely everybody listening, go check out those resources. They're huge. And um, I'm just excited for what you're doing right now, Alex. So, okay. Now that we have gone through the business side, let's dive in to the family side of this. What was that like in the beginning? You mentioned that you were sacrificing time um, I'm assuming that means with like your kids and your family and what was going on there, but tell us a little bit more of what that journey looked like in the beginning, um, between balancing family and work. Well, at first it was actually relatively, it wasn't, it wasn't as difficult as it became. So Katie and I met when I was 30 and I think she was 26, 25 or 26. And so she had been, I, I had been running a company, which I exited shortly after we met. I traveled a ton of the time. I had offices throughout the US and Latin America. I decided that the the business that I ran wasn't congruent with the lifestyle that I wanted. And I wanted to be able to spend more time with her. She was really the catalyst for me kind of waking up and saying like, man, I'm running a business I don't love. And so I semi-retired right around 31 or 32. I think uh, it was six weeks after I had sold the last contract for my business before Katie was like, okay, you need to do something because retirement and I did not get along. (laughs) It was just, it was doing, trying to do nothing was overwhelming. (laughs) I get that. (laughs) um, the, The first thing that we ended up doing was I was driving home one day and I had read a book by Robert Allen called, um, no money down. And it was all about reinvesting in real estate. 
I was incredibly bored and frustrated with my day to day. And so I bought a house on the way home and let Katie know, Hey, I just bought a house. And that's how we ended up getting into real estate. And so in the early two thousands, the two of us, um, first we started buying houses and rehabbing them. And then within a short period of time, we applied some process and structure and we became either the biggest home buyer on a monthly basis in, in South Florida or one of the companies that was buying the most single family homes and apartments and condos and stuff in, in South Florida. Um, and we built that company up right up until 2007, 2008 timeframe when everything fell apart and we had a massive reset. So um, my daughter Reagan at the time was about uh, a year old and the business that we had been running was going very well um and then it imploded we ended up losing everything it, everything that i had gained from the business that i sold we had actually built that up to a huge amount of equity and cash and when the real estate market imploded we had all our eggs in one basket and um we lost everything so we had to start over wow that's tough so when you say you lost everything i'm assuming did that also take you into the hole Oh, we, we, we went from having, um, eight figures in equity and, um, several million dollars in the bank to being completely upside down and bankrupt within about a 12 month period. Holy we were God. in South Florida at what most people consider ground zero for the real estate crisis of 2008. All the properties we owned were in Dade, Broward and Palm Beach counties, the three counties with the fastest depreciation in the country. And so it hit us hard. It was like overnight. There was nothing we could do to keep up with it. And we ended up from going from having six figure monthly income, not revenue, income to barely having enough to pay bills. So how the heck did you get out of that? How did you, what was, was the next thing? <laughs> it, it was, it was not easy, but, um, I kind of have an obsessive personality type and, uh, I tend to do a lot of research on things. That's how we ended up buying so many houses. I just obsessively researched the market, not so obsessively that I saw the train coming, but once the train hit, I couldn't let go of it, Wanda. You know, I was, I, I felt like we had done all this work. We built this massive amount of wealth. We built this huge real estate portfolio. We had three or four different companies in real estate and to have everything go away was like one of those things that kept me up at, at night. And so I started really researching the market and looking at what was going on in real estate. And at the time, the National Association of Realtors, most of the banks, <clears throat> most real estate experts were saying that we were in something like a six to 12 month dip in the market. And I'm like, there's no way we got wiped out by a six to 12 month dip, like something's going on here. And the more I researched the market, the more I saw that we were in a massive, massive issue. I remember like telling Katie one day, this is not six to 12 months. If anything, it's seven to 10 years. And we looked at that opportunity. And at first I was going to create a, a course or an information product for, and this was my first foray into information products. I'd never done anything like this before. We were going to create a course for homeowners to try and understand like what their options were. And we realized that when homeowners in distress, there's like very little that, that they can pay attention to. Yeah. Katie at the time was a real estate agent. She was, you know, involved in, in our real estate businesses. And so we created a designation for real estate agents called the Certified Distressed Property Expert designation, the CDPE. And in 2008, we trained about 500 agents. It's how we paid ourselves through bankruptcy. It's how we, we survived bankruptcy. Um, we did about uh, 
$125,000 in our first year, about a half million in our second year, and about 7.2 million in our third year. And in our fourth year out of bankruptcy, we were the 21st fastest growing company in the country. We did 9.9 million. And it was uh, it was a roller coaster. It, the company exploded and grew like crazy. And man, there was a ton of challenges and issues. You know, we in 2013, um, the director of distressed properties for the U.S. Treasury, Lori Maggiano, on a broadcast in our office, said that our company was responsible for speeding up the foreclosure recovery process, the crisis recovery process, by about five to seven years. So we made a massive impact. Um, but that's the highlights, you know, that's, that's like, that's what you share on the bio page <laughs> yeah. at the same time that that was going on. You know, we had a young daughter and, um, she got to know the person that was, was serving us with foreclosure paperwork, the, the process server so well that at one point she called her by name. <laughs> I remember thinking like, oh man, like that can't be good. Uh-huh. And, you know, being, being bankrupt and having this massive scarcity and having to kind of feel like we had to do everything at once all and right away, put tremendous strain on, on our marriage. It put a ton of strain on, on the first Reagan and then Kennedy, our, our second daughter was born a couple years later. It, it made things difficult, you know, growing a business, yeah. growing a business is like the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's the best personal development process there is on the planet. Um, but when I look back at that time, you know, there was, there was a, a tremendous amount of stress and a lot of lessons learned from things that we, we didn't do well. We did a lot of things right. And, you know, we got ourselves out of bankruptcy and we got ourselves back to financial independence and, and independent wealth and, and what, what most people would call generational wealth. But, um, but it wasn't easy. And yeah. there was definitely, you know, self-awareness is challenging. I've done a ton of therapy and trauma work and, and understanding myself better. And I've gotten to the point where I understand trauma and how it's caused so well that I can look back at those times and think like, oh man, there is definitely trauma we caused our kids and definitely trauma we caused ourselves. Wow. And there's so much to unpack with all of that story from all the way going down not just losing your business and everything, but then into the hole, bankruptcy and climbing out of it that fast too, and being one of the fastest growing companies. But, um, and and you have shared a little bit, but I want to dive in more. Walk us through what was going through your head as a dad, because I think so many people feel alone when they just feel they're not providing well enough for their parents. So walk us through a little bit what that was like for you internally to be going through that financial crisis while raising these two young, beautiful daughters? So the good news is we were only in financial crisis with Reagan. By the time Kennedy was born, we had built up not a huge amount of wealth, but we had built up enough cash flow and enough reserves that we weren't in that panicked crisis state. Okay. We, we probably probably took us a few years to actually like let go of being in the crisis. But, <laughs> but when I look back at it, like number wise, we were in a much better place. And as far as what was going through my head back there, you know, back then my whole life, all I wanted to do was be a successful business owner. And when you go bankrupt, you write an attorney a check so that you can publicly and legally and very dramatically declare that you're an absolute failure. And yeah. it was, it was excruciating. It was one of the hardest things I've ever been through. And at the time, you know, the people in our lives were telling Katie and I, we needed to get jobs and we needed to find stability. And, 
the thought of working for someone else and the challenges that would create for me was so great that I, I felt like the only way for me to get out of it was to figure out what we were going to do next. And I had this huge obstacle in front of me called this like foreclosure crisis that had taken us apart. And so that's where I put my focus and that where, that's where I put my energy. But like I said, it wasn't easy. There was, there was days where, where I wanted to give up. Um, there was definitely days where I was like, you know, should I even be here anymore? Not that I was, was actually suicidal, but man, you have some very dark thoughts when you go through, you know, an experience like that and, um, and very dark moments. You know, I was fortunate that, and I feel fortunate that, that I was married to Katie because during that time period, you know, when, when we made, when we were, sorry, I (laughs) I need water too. Um, when we made, you know, when we were told by the attorney that we were going to go bankrupt, we for days kind of like moved around our house and we both worked out of our house. She worked upstairs. I worked downstairs. We didn't really talk a lot. Like there was a lot of lost time. There was a lot of pretending like we were busy. And then, then I remember having a phone call with a friend of mine where I told him what had happened and I played the whole story for him and I was looking for a shoulder to cry on. And Instead, he listened to the whole story. And I I remember telling him, Alan, his name was Alan Waxman. And uh, I remember saying, Alan, you know, we realized we were out of options and the lawyers told us to go, we need to go bankrupt. And so that's what we were going to do. And he said, you know, Alex, I, I disagree. You have options. You could run up credit cards. You could stop paying everybody. You could run away to Mexico. You could move back to California with your family. There's all kinds of things you could do. You've made a decision to go bankrupt. Why don't you own it, figure this out and figure out the fastest way forward. And I remember for a moment, like thinking, man, I was looking for a shoulder to cry on. What a, what a terrible response. Like what a jerk. (laughs) And, but it was fleeting because I realized like, he's right. There's, there's really nothing else to do here. I got off the call with Alan. I went and talked to Katie and I said, all right, like, this is what we're doing. Let's do it as fast and as well as anybody's ever done it. And so we assembled all the paperwork for bankruptcy. We put together all these huge files. We went into our attorney's office, we turned it all in and they were like shocked that anybody would do all of the work. I'm like, what do you mean? Like people don't do what you said. And they're like, no, for bankruptcy, most of the time we have to like piece it all together. So we went through that process and, um, you know, I think one of the things that kept us going was Katie had this discipline that every night before we went to sleep, we had to each tell each other three things we were grateful for. And one of those nights where I didn't even want to talk about gratitude. I was faking it. (laughs) You know, I was like, imagine why. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But, but I think that like that discipline and the discipline of aligning together and talking together and making sure that we were still connecting was how we got through that time period. Yeah. That's so cool. And it's such a simple thing. And it's so true that it's those simple, consistent traditions that we uphold. Those are the things that make the difference. And especially like hats off to your wife through hard things like that. I know that especially on marriages and relationships and families, hard things like that can drive people apart. But you and your wife, you pulled together and you became an unstoppable team. And now you're helping thousands more. So what an incredible story. Um, I want to ask, though, so you mentioned a lot about the the scarcity and and you're very familiar with what that was like. So what happened then when you climbed out of that scarcity? How did you climb? Like you climb out of it first financially, and then you have to climb out of it mentally. And so how did you, how did you do that? What was that process like for you? 
um, gosh, it wasn't easy. You know, when prior to bankruptcy, we had, you know, houses and cars and like whatever we wanted. And um, when we went bankrupt, I remember I bought this like $4,000 truck because it was what we could afford. And I think there was a dent on every single panel on the car. And I drove that well after we were liquid millionaires, just because I had this scarcity. That's why I was saying it took a while to recover from the the psychological mm -hmm. aspect. It wasn't until Katie took my truck one day and drove it and it fishtailed on her. And she's like, how long has it been doing that? And I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it's okay. You just get used to it. You kind of turn <laughs> into the slide. She's like, okay, you're buying a new car. And so it definitely, definitely took us a while to kind of let go of that sense of loss. But one of the disciplines that we created in our marriage back then, and again, things were not perfect. You know, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to think that you go through a process like that. And like the marriage is fun. There were days where there was conflict. There was days where there was challenges. There was times where I was so focused on growing the business because of what we had been through that I wasn't giving the appropriate amount of time to Katie or to the kids. And what really helped us kind of um, get through that was aligning as a couple and making sure that we had time on the calendar every day where we were sitting down and talking together because we were also working together. We didn't do it perfectly. We made a ton of mistakes. We've gotten way better over time. Today, that's what really is the strength of our marriage. But in those early days, it was aligning together and talking together. And my wife has this concept that if you're an entrepreneur running a business, especially with your spouse, you have to separate the momentum in your marriage from the momentum in your business. And if you look at way too many entrepreneurs who are running a business, the marriage is, is only okay if the business is okay. And when you create process and structure in your marriage, like you align and you have time together and you have time set apart for each other to plan, to execute, to connect on a daily basis, you create a process that separates the marriage from the business. And that's really, that was crucial for us. Yeah. Oh, so good. So, okay. Now you're into this phase of your life and you're talking about finding more of that balance, more of that abundance. How did you see that showing up as a dad and how you showed up with your kids? Hmm. Um, well, in the early days of that business, uh, I traveled a lot. Um, you know, I had, I had to be gone a lot. I was speaking, I was going out and, and I was the rainmaker for the business and I experienced a tremendous amount of guilt around that. You know, I, I wanted to spend time with my kids. I wanted to be there with my kids. When I was growing up, my dad was gone most of the time. And so I, I knew I was repeating this pattern of being the absentee father that was gone all the time. And it was incredibly painful. And I did the same thing with my kids. I created process with the two of them. You know, when they were smaller, I made sure that I was like there in the morning when when they were getting up and getting ready for school. And I made and and we were like walking together and spending time together and like getting out and moving together. And then I made sure that when I was home, I was I, I bookended the day and spent time with them at the end of the day. And so even though things were overwhelming in our business, when a business grows that fast, you're barely trying to just keep the doors on. But I. I I made sure that I had that time to connect with the two of them so that at least starting their day and finishing their day, that time was there. And, you know, a lot of times when we're working with, with parents who are growing a business, you know, we explain to them, like, if you, if you have that bookend, if you're spending that time intentionally, that's a lot of what your kids are going to remember. And that's where you build the relationship with them. Like building a relationship with kids 
is time, period. There's no other way to do it. Yep. Yep. And I really love that you keep pointing out that even though that there was, there were struggles, there was hard things that you were going through, that there were golden nuggets. There were things that was working and you were putting intentional effort into it. And because of that, you were able to go through some incredible challenges and come out better for it on the other side. So now to talk us through like, what is it right now? You're a successful business owner. You have amazing family. Is everything perfect? Does everything just go (laughs) perfectly for you? Or what are the challenges that are happening right now for you? Um, well, we have a, a third. So today we have a 13 and a 16 year old. And up until a couple of years ago, we homeschooled them for most of their their school career. So both of them went to preschool um, in schools where where things went pretty well. They both were in uh, a private school for a couple of years. We tried the private school that, that they were a part of had some issues and it ended up transitioning in a way that we weren't happy with. So we pulled them out of that school. We tried public school for about six weeks and then our kids were homeschooled. And um, in 2020, at the beginning of COVID, they came to us and said, hey, we want more social interaction. We want to be around more kids. They were 11 and 14 or, or 10 and 13 or something like that at the time. And so while everybody else was pulling their kids out of school and homeschooling for the first time, we were going the opposite. They were actually <laughs> going back to a school and wearing masks and like, you know, um, having more social interaction. And so today, you know, when it comes to, to experiencing challenges with our kids, Honestly, Wanda, we I have great kids. I, I think my whole life I've I've had people say things like, oh, just wait until they're two, or just wait until they're five, or just wait until they're whatever age, you know, insert an age that they had trouble with. And, and of course, like any parent, there's been challenges along the way, there's been issues along the way. But I have a 13 and 16 year old that we we really love spending time with. We travel as a family all the time. We just got back from, from um, Vegas for spring break where we took them to see Taylor Swift. Um, we have really close relationships with our kids. Uh, you know, I heard this concept from a speaker a while ago that your relationship with your kids should be stronger than the friends that they have, because that the strongest relationship they have is going to guide their life. And so we're, we're very intentional. You know, we, we have dinner every night as a family, we either Katie or I drive them to school almost every day. Sometimes we have our assistant do it, but most of the time it's one of us. We have a lot of, um, deep conversations with them about you know who they are and what they want and what they want to do and we make sure that that time and that space is there so that we don't really experience a lot of challenges you know i think with with reagan being 16 in the past couple years there's been some issues with um you know some friends and some some challenges with influence that that other kids have had on her but if you maintain proximity with your kids and they trust you if you build trust over time like we have like we've ended up finding out about the things that she's done that she's not really excited about and she's come to us and said like hey this happened and i feel like i i shouldn't have done it and i need advice on how to you know what i should be doing and so um when it comes to to the kids i i don't feel like there's massive challenges you know there's definitely um issues that we've caused that we're aware of. And so, you know, my youngest daughter, Kennedy is in therapy and um, she meets with a person every week, almost every week and, and talks through stuff that's happened in her childhood and stuff that, you know, she's had trouble processing. So we, we definitely get support for the kids. Um, Reagan hasn't been as excited about therapy. We're trying to talk her into it, but she's not really 
pumped about doing it. Um, <laughs> but there's other stuff that we do. You know, we we um, if if Katie and I are going on an experience, we usually take them with us, and we're very open with our kids. I have this concept that if if you're doing something that you don't want to tell your kids about, you should question what you're doing. And so our kids know everything about us, and there's not a lot hidden. And down to like finances and who's working in the company and what issues Katie and I are going through. And because of that level of transparency and openness, I don't think we experience a lot of the issues that, that other parents do. So good. Oh, I, I am so excited. I love it when I meet parents who are actually being open with their kids instead of feeling like I have to live a separate life. I have to live a double life because I'm an adult. They're the kid. They're supposed to be just enjoying things and not aware of all this stuff, but it's so much better for both of us when we're open because they will learn so much of what it's like to be an adult. And when they become an adult, it won't be so intimidating and scary and they'll be very familiar with that. But one of the things that I really want um, to dive in a little bit more, as you mentioned with therapy, I think a lot of people Um, there's the two stigmas. There's the one that everybody should do therapy, or there's the one where people are like therapy. That's weird. Why would anybody need to do that? So talk us a little bit more through, um, why you feel therapy is helpful for your kids and and what you hope to get out of that. Well, I don't think it's just helpful for my kids. I recommend it to every entrepreneur we work with. You know, we have a a membership in Simple Operations where we help people go from seven to eight figures or eight to nine figures. And, and we have a very high level of success. But one of the absolutes when it comes to entrepreneurship is if somebody can hold the space to run a business, chances are they've they've had some massive trauma in their backgrounds. I've never in my life worked with an entrepreneur that has not had serious generational trauma or or childhood trauma or trauma at some point in their lives. That's why we can do what we can do. Our baseline for stress and for challenges is so much higher than the average person. And so um, I started therapy when I was 26. Uh, I was lucky to find EMDR. My mom was a, was actually studying to be a therapist and was one of the first EMDR certificate oh, cool. holders. And so she recommended it to me. I've been recommending it to my clients and friends and people that I work with for over 20 years. And I think, you know, when it comes to being an entrepreneur, being a parent, um, one of the things that's, that's most important in both of those disciplines, being an entrepreneur, being a parent and being a spouse is lowering reactivity and getting out of the fight, flight, fawn or freeze response. And I think so many of us walk around with a nervous system that is either triggered or borderline about to be triggered. And, you know, I, I realized early on that I was in this place where I felt like I was always fighting and, um, I was always aggressive and I was always just like on a hair trigger. And so by going to therapy and understanding things better and processing, especially with EMDR, that specifically, you know, more recently I've done a ton of breath work and somatic healing and some psychedelic therapies. Um, but, but going through that process and going through that journey helps you understand yourself better and also helps you process that, that trauma that you have. And yeah. so as our kids have gotten older, we've, we've like shared these strategies with them. I, I waited until I was 26. So as soon as either one of them has been interested in it, we've, we've had them in. So Reagan's, Reagan's been in the therapy in the past. She's not in it right now, yeah. but we introduced it to him early as a way to, um, 
process and as a way to understand and as a way to, to have an audience of one that is fully validating in there for you. And so it's also one of the, the themes of our membership. You know, people, people pay us to help them simplify their operations. What we deliver are the things that are going to make them the CEO that can really hold the space for an increasing size of company. And one of those things is definitely the processing of trauma and um, understanding yourself better. Yeah. And I love two key elements that you said was one, you recommend it to everybody, but you still said that if your daughters have shown interest in it, that's when they go in. That's when they are part of it. You're not, it's have. not this half a force of about it. It's they, it's their choice. And I yeah. think that is so cool because if it's not their choice, it doesn't do, it doesn't have the same kind of impact. <laughs> no, forced, forced therapy has the opposite effect. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, and it's not just that Wanda, you know, we, we teach entrepreneurs strategies like having a clear morning routine and breath work and meditation and, um, planning and having a daily execution system. And our kids have grown up with that. You know, yeah. I have a 16 year old that gets up uh, earlier than most kids on her own because she has a morning routine and she works out and she spends 20 minutes in the sauna and she occasionally gets in the cold plunge. And so like teaching them and, and not just teaching teaching kids, you know, telling kids does very little modeling those strategies yeah. so that they see them in real life has been, has been critical. And so, um, you know, for, for each of them, I think it's affected them in, in different ways and it's, it, they've learned in different ways. And again, there's nothing perfect here, but kids will do, kids will attempt to do what they, what you ask them to, but they will always do what you model. Yeah, And so, you know, my wife and I do, we both go to therapy on a weekly basis and the kids know about it and we talk to them about it. They know the therapist's names. There's nothing hidden from them. You know, I remember um, being a lot younger and, and when I was a consultant in my twenties, I had a client who had a business partner that stole money from him. And it was this huge deal. And he did not tell his family, he didn't tell his kids about it. And he had a 16 year old kid who didn't ever know what this partner had left. And the partner was like an uncle to the kids. Oh, wow. And a few years later, that kid was partners with the uncle, well, not the uncle, but with the business partner who had stolen money. Oh, wow. And the kid turned on his dad. He's like, you kicked this guy out. He was our friend. And, you know, I, I look back and I think like, man, if he had just told his kids what were going on, what was going on, that would have never happened. Yeah. And trying to do it after the fact, it became this massive conflict. It did not end well. I think the more transparent and real you can be with your kids, the more they learn the life lessons you're learning and they don't have to relearn them. Yeah, so true. So true. So now I, there's there's different levels of success. We we're constantly going for success because we're beings of growth. But all that that really means is we set this goal, we achieve it, it fills the success and it builds us with momentum to get to the next one. So right now with where you are, what's the next level of success for you? If you could just snap your fingers and have what you're dreaming of, what does that success look like? Hmm. Gosh, that's an interesting question. You know, we have we have net worth goals that Katie and I are pursuing. We have um, goals within our company that we're pursuing. But if it, when you say snap your fingers, you know, I I'm an entrepreneur and I've been doing this for a long time, and I know that the outcome is not what's really exciting for us. It's being on the hunt. 
you know, we're yeah. evolutionary hunters and we live for what you keep saying again, it's momentum. Like we live for that state of momentum. And if you look back at any period of momentum in your life, if anybody does, especially if they're an entrepreneur, those are some of the hardest, most difficult, most frustrating periods in your life. And so like if somebody was to say, snap your fingers and you can get to a destination, I don't know that that's very attractive to me because like the process is where the learning is. The process is where the excitement is. So yeah. for us right now, I think, you know, the things that we're actively working on is Reagan's 16 and within the next few years, whenever she's ready, she's going to transition out of the house. So it's teaching her um, a higher level of discipline and a higher level of understanding of how to make money, um, maybe teaching her skills. I didn't finish college. My wife didn't finish college. We're not pushing either one of our kids to, to go to college, they might want to, but it's, it's helping her have a safe and um, graceful transition from the family when she's ready. I don't think she's going to be ready for a while. And we're totally okay with that. Like we're, we have no time clock going to when she's 18. I think, you know, there's this false perception that kids need to be out of the house super fast. And, and I'm, I'm from a Latin American family and, that's just not, that's, that's not how I see it. And, and the more that I've been around entrepreneurs where kids are exited super fast, the more I recognize like, man, 18 is not that old. Yeah. <laughs> not that life experience. And so for us, you know, I think right now that's, that's one of the big things we're working on and also really intentionally scaling our business. I think um, Reagan has showed interest in, in doing some of the things that we're doing, or maybe having a position in the business, which would be exciting for us. Kennedy is also, she's only 13, but she's talked about it before. She has a ton of really intelligent business questions. I'm, I'm always shocked at how much she's absorbed because I can tell by the question she's asking, I'm like, that is not a 13 year old question. <laughs> <laughs> you know? awesome. She shouldn't have, she shouldn't even have the context to answer that question. And so, you know, those, those things are important to us. Um, we recently bought a ranch here in Texas that we ha we have a, gorgeous home and you know the the house we live in today is crazy because i grew up in a pretty humble beginnings and the house that i grew up in with six people fits into the master bedroom suite that we have in the house that we have four people in <laughs> and so you know, awesome. <laughs> it, it's like there's there we have a we have a, a you know a, a very good amount of wealth and a very good amount of affluence and i think so for us it's it's getting the ranch built out it's uh perhaps buying a property internationally um, growing the business to where we're impacting way more entrepreneurs. And, you know, there's this component of our business where we teach entrepreneurs about themselves. I wrote a book called The Entrepreneurial Personality Type, and it's a manifesto on who we are as entrepreneurs. And I think the biggest challenge that most entrepreneurs face is they never feel seen and heard. I know that's what it was for me. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote this body of content that allows entrepreneurs to feel like they are seen, they are heard, they're recognized for who they are. And if we could get this book into the hands of millions of entrepreneurs, then I feel like that's, that's an outcome that I, I would love to see happen. That's so cool. Well, thank you so much. You have shared so many vulnerable and golden pieces of information that everybody will be able to use to better their own situation. And I think that that is really where we come together. That's the strength that communities build when we are able to learn from each other's mistakes, just like you've mentioned, where we don't have to repeat them. We don't have to go through them ourselves and we can go through them not feeling so alone when we do come to challenges. So thank you again for sharing everything and everybody listening. 
please make sure to go and check out those links. Go and check out the book. Go and check out the 40-hour uh, year because being able to have resources like this changes everything in the just the game of entrepreneurship. It is an amazing ride, and I'm so glad that you're all here with us. Thank you again, Alex, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, Wanda. Thank you again for being a part of our podcast family and for the difference you are making right now in the world and in the walls of your own home. If you're wanting to support parents everywhere, you can do that by leaving a rate and review. This helps so many find connection and answers they are searching for. Also, don't forget to go to wandahoward.com and get your own free parenting blueprint. I love you all and we will see you next time.